seen the video of Trump standing in front of the Marine Band as they play God Bless America and him singing along to it. Does it seem pretty clear he doesn't know the words? Oh, yeah, he's uh, like a lot of people. He knows about half of them. Okay. So it seems. So he's not a real patriot. I don't know the words. According to his detractors, who just, everybody calm down. Um, so here's some of the Twitter. How can the Philadelphia? Oh, go ahead. Somebody tweeted out, President Trump sings along to God Bless America, in which you guys claim it shows that he didn't know the words. I don't know the words either. Uh, but here's some of the Twitter uh, responses. Maybe Colin Kaepernick can visit the White House to teach Donald Trump all 28 words to God Bless America. Is it really only 28 words, or is that sarcasm? I don't know. Um, I refuse to count them <laughs> I refuse to be party to this bitching. Reading tweets is not on either side. Reading tweets is not an endorsement. Certainly not. <laughs> Failure to memorize or know the words of God bless in America, God bless America, at an event he created to prove his patriotism is a great metaphor of the man. A BS artist, smoke and mirrors, no substance, will say anything for power, money, blah, blah, total fraud. Did Mitt Romney send that? No. Um, not, knowing, not knowing the lyrics to God Bless America isn't really a bad thing unless you're hosting a patriotism party and the announcer says to sing the song to honor the court country and you just spent the last year blasting a group for not being patriotic and you're the president. There is a small measure of irony there, I would agree. If Obama had forgotten the words to God Bless America, it would have spawned 100 lunatic articles about how he knew the Kenyan national anthem. <laughs> His home country in Kenya. <laughs> got to admit, got to admit, there are plenty of talk show hosts that if Barack Obama were up there, clearly not knowing the words to God Bless America would have killed him for it. Right, right. My Muslim faith. That's right. LOL, Trump got two lines into God Bless America before giving up. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much accurate. Uh, Sarah Sanders. This is obviously being sarcastic. Sarah Sanders. It is pretty clear that the president knows all the lyrics to God Bless America and could sing it a cappella right now in perfect pitch and harmony and play it on every instrument, including the theremin, which he is a master in. <laughs> That's all sar- hateful sarcasm yes. is what that is. is it, don't we have enough hate in these troubled times? I can't actually, believe social media is joining in. Actually, somebody said this would be perfect. You do the Trump video, and then as he starts singing God Bless America, you immediately go to the Curb Your Enthusiasm song. Nice. Curb Your Singing. Yeah, uh, it's not a big deal. i got to admit, if I were going to have a big event, the whole point being these people aren't patriotic like we are, and I decide let's have God Bless America, and I plan to stand up and sing along to it, I'd either not sing along to it or make sure I know the words. Right. One of the two. Right. Hand on your heart standing there. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. Unless, I guess the announcer said, let's all sing. Uh-oh. Uh, I don't know. Hey, who told him to say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, let me make this Those plea. Those are all pretty good shots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's truth on both sides. It's, it's, uh, can we stop bitching at each other, please, America? Just Stop. I don't know. People enjoy it. My son knew the words last night to his part in the musical that uh, put a put a period, an exclamation point on his fabulous second grade year. Went out on a high note. They're doing yeah. Les Mis. What, uh, what, what? It was uh, it was something about uh, bio bios bio biomes biomes. That's it. No, not biodome. Oh, not the Polly Shore uh, Stephen Baldwin version vehicle. of it. Yeah. It's our bio. It's our biome. Yes. And various animals and whatever. Nice. And he was a cactus. 
Wow, the, 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 the fascinating desert biome. So barren, yet so full of life. There were all these, uh, the, 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 the story of the musical was these elephants had escaped from the zoo, and they mm. were trying to figure out where they should live. I and they it. tried all these different places, and the reason it wouldn't work, every plant or animal has its own biome where it can live, and that's the way the earth works, or, or something it. like that. I was trying I to it. trying to get the gist of it, because not a, this is what I observed. This, it's, it's, there's such different kind of kids, um, and, uh, and, and you're just built that way. Um, there are kids that were clearly very nervous. There were clearly kids, like my kid, that weren't nervous in the least. There are kids that sing so loud and talk so loud. <laughs> right. I was that, I was that kid. <laughs> there are there are some that are just whispering if they're making any noise at all. Yeah. I mean, because you got they they stand around a microphone like all the elephants would get on a microphone, and the one would say, "How many elephants were there in the pack?" I think there were like three. I'm right. trying to picture the scene. Okay, um, but they stand around the, the microphone. And you might have one elephant say, "We escaped from the zoo today." <laughs> And then the other kid will say, I wonder where we're going to go. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's like an old Temptations performance. They're like four performers, a single mic. Everybody come to it. And it's just funny that it, it's always been that way, I'm sure. But it's just, you know, yeah. different personalities. It's just that, I right. don't know. Right. And it doesn't matter, but it's just, it's just kind of funny. And then and then you got the kids that are um like super into... Uh, emoting, like really exaggerated motions for the motions they're supposed to do and right. smiling at the audience. And the kids who are kind of looking around and yawning, uh, just, you know, just so not into it or, or even like bothered by the fact that they're standing up in front of a hundred people. Just right. Has no impact on them. I mean, wow. some kids are really playing to the crowd. Hey, everybody. And right. the other ones are just looking around, yawning. <laughs> It's yeah. just hilarious. That is so funny. You'd love to preserve a video like that and then track everybody 20 years later. Turns out he's, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the third ranking accountant for a mid sized insurance yeah, company. I was and, actually thinking. And happy in his work and uh, her work. Whatever. I was just thinking in terms of does it mean anything for your future ability to do this sort of stuff? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe you know. Because you've had kids that went on to get into drama and all that sort of stuff. Does, yeah. Does it yeah. does it does it play a role from early on? I don't care whether my kid gets into it or doesn't get into it or not. It doesn't make any difference to me. But. Right. They're they're going to be who they are. Yeah. 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 It's a little early to tell long term for my kids who are in their early twenties. Well, the two. Well, big I, ones I was I was actually thinking was <clears> like <throat> was Bruce Springsteen like really belting out the song about uh-huh. the biome when he's in second grade because he was a born performer or was he bored with the whole the factory biome is open late <laughs> in the yeah yeah i don't <laughs> factory biome <laughs> as the workers straggle home to the wives who don't love them <laughs> hey bruce 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 you're an elephant all right you're trying to find your way back to the savannah what yep. if I'm like not satisfied by the savannah? What if I need to get out? Elephants like us. Baby, <laughs> we were born to That's enough, Bruce. That's enough. Was there a kid that did a political statement and had to be like carried off the stage? <laughs> That's right. Down with Trump. Down with Trump. I did notice it seemed to be a universal for every kid, including mine, it, when they walked up there, the first thing they did is try to figure out where their parents were oh, or yeah. if they were there. Okay, there he is. Got a smile and a thumbs up, and I give it back, and then we're we're good. <laughs> now, did you have undisciplined younger parents shouting, Jimmy, Jimmy, no. trying to get their attention from the, don't, don't do that. I don't think anybody did that. Oh, please. I would say there's this. Yeah, Let's preserve that fourth wall. Very I, important. I don't want to cause any problems, but I'm I'm on the 
Uh, I'm I'm taller than average, but I'm not a giant by any means. <laughs> but I'm I'm aware of the fact that you know not everybody may be able to see around me if I'm sitting in front of them. So I kind of slouch down or whatever. It's very kind of you. Um, there was a guy. He's the biggest guy in the room. Sat in the very front row, middle seat. Everybody was trying to see around him <laughs> or video around him. Dude, you're like six five. Be completely aware of the fact that you're six five, yeah. dude. <laughs> Take off the top hat too. Sitting up completely straight with his top hat. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What are you Everybody's gonna do? He's trying to he see around. He got there early. He got a good seat. You know, it's survival of the fittest. Nah. The short are relegated to the back rows where they will not breed and continue their change. I guess that'd be his answer. You don't want yeah. to sit behind me? Get there earlier. Right, right. <laughs> now s- you see why I'm the alpha dog and or elephant. <laughs> so the suspense is killing me. Yeah. The elephants, they tried the desert. Not good. Where your son was a cactus. Repping the desert biome. You know, I don't actually know how it concludes. <laughs> oh, no. It's hard to tell. I think the key line was kind of, Oh, dang it. Yay. Dang it. <laughs> Lots of songs. There are seven songs. Wow. Yeah. My son had one line before the seventh song. So. Mm, nice. About being a cactus? The something, desert in general? Something about that. Yeah. I don't remember. Satisfying. Yeah. Satisfying. Well, they're no small parts, Jack. Just small actors. <laughs> yeah. He lived it, though. I mean, I believed he was a cactus. He was prickly. He was thirsty. I almost forgot he was my son. I just right. thought, there's a cactus on stage. Wow, that's that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. He vanished into the role. So Bill Clinton went on Colbert last night, and he hates to, He must hate this, to talk about the new mystery thriller that he's written, but he got to ask about Monica Lewinsky again by Colbert. <laughs> and if you're watching the insanity in Hawaii right now, how Hawaii made its lava disaster worse. Nobody's talking about this, but it's an interesting tale. Stay tuned for all that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. What text we got? Somebody went to school with uh, Rob Schneider, <laughs> standing at the copier, making the copies. He, he did my homework. I believe he was an animal. Um, somebody went to school with Rob Schneider. Said he was fantastic all through school. Oh wow! So there you fantastic. Go. Also got this text when I was in middle middle school band. They put me on the cymbals for a one song. I had only had ten seconds of playing the cymbals, but I completely lost my place. God, <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before. Oh yeah. Spacing out. The less you have to play, the more chance there is you space out and screw it up. God, I, you know what I used to do in school? and I uh, I would space out during reading. Like when we were going around the reading, they're just going in rows. Oh, boy. Everybody reading oh. aloud. I'd space out and lose my place, and then it would come to me, and I didn't know where we were in the story. And I'd always pretend that I didn't quite know how to pronounce that first word. Because sometimes if you didn't know how to pronounce the word, the teacher would help you out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd always pretend I just don't know how to pronounce the first word and then hope that they would tell me how to pronounce the first word. You can quickly find And I'd figure out where I was. <laughs> right. It never worked once, but I tried that. <laughs> I tried that multiple times, but it never, ever worked. And the teacher would just say, you don't know where we are, do you? It is the first word. <laughs> it. No, I don't. I wasn't paying any attention. Oh, my. Uh, God dang it. You seem to have seen through my clever ruse, teacher. <laughs> Jeez, I got to remember that because my uh, my son's a bit of a spacer too. But we got this text. When I was in middle school band, they put me on the cymbals. 
I only had 10 seconds, but I completely lost my place and proceeded to fake the symbols. Needless to say, it's easy to tell if somebody isn't really hitting symbols together. I've never seen my dad laugh so hard. <laughs> uh, kind of, uh, four inches apart. Uh. Wow. Oh, God dang it. That's funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never seen my dad laugh so hard. Air symbols. That's my boy. <laughs> funny. So uh, Bill Clinton was on the Today Show the other day with James Patterson, the most prolific author, I think, in the history of the world or something like that. I think technically that title belongs to L. Ron Hubbard but in terms he, of actual books published. He, Patterson, I know, is up there. He's, he's, he's in the top couple ever. And anyway, so now he's written another thriller, M is for Murder or something, with, uh, with Bill Clinton lending his hand of knowing something about the presidency. So Clinton's on to do the uh, talk about the book. The guy on the Today Show asks him about Monica Lewinsky, and uh, he gets angry and fights back. And then so he was on Colbert last night, got to ask some more about it, and I just wanted to hear what he had to say. My question is, would you like a do-over on that answer? Do you, do you understand why some people thought that was a tone-deaf response Absolutely. to his questions about the Me Too movement and how you might reflect on your behavior 20 years ago and how that reflection may change based on what you've learned through the Me Too movement? Yeah, there, you know, I, when I saw the interview, I thought that because they had to, you know, distill it. And it looked like I was saying I didn't apologize and I had no intention to. And I was mad at me. Mm-hmm. Well, you said in the interview no, that you did apologize. You, you said yes, you apologized in the I interview. I did. And they showed a film clip finally. But, but what, here's what I want to say. It wasn't my finest hour, but the important thing is that was a very painful thing that happened uh, 20 years ago, and I apologized to my family, to Monica once again, her family, to the American people. I'm in it then, I'm in it now. I've had to live with the consequences every day since. And I still believe this Me Too movement is long overdue, necessary, and should be supported. And we should Yay! all... Yay! Yay, I like him again! And... Um, And I'd like to think that we're all getting better as we go along. Here, here, here's well, the other thing. I've spent a year now with President Yeah, Pipe down, author. Nobody wants to hear from you. Yeah, it, your book is terrible. Everybody is, says it. Is this next part worth hearing or not? I think so, yeah. Okay. I would think some of the reason why people saw that interview and thought that it was tone deaf or whatever word they wanted to use is that you seem surprised that that question would come up. That there's somehow that this had all been adjudicated in the past and there's no reason to talk about it again when it seems like the spirit of the Me Too movement is that um, it doesn't matter how long ago it happened. Examples of men who were not held accountable for their behavior, mm, especially men in question. power with younger women or people who worked for them, is worthy of being re-adjudicating or adjudicating for the first time, no matter how long ago it happened. And so it seemed tone deaf to me because you, you seemed offended to be asked about this thing when, in all due respect, sir, your behavior was the most famous example of a powerful man sexually misbehaving in the workplace of my lifetime. And so it doesn't seem surprising that the question would be asked. Why are you surprised? It's a ballsy oh, The question, question had been asked. By and him? I, no, by other people. In this context. The Me Too context. Yes, and I didn't mind at all. But I didn't like this one because it started with an assertion that basically I had never apologized, as if 
uh, never tried to come to grips with it, and as if there had been no attempt to hold me accountable, which anybody who lived through that and knew the facts knew wasn't so. Nonetheless, I realized, hey, there are a lot of people that don't have any memory of that, and all they saw was me mad, and I seemed to be tone deaf, to put it mildly. Mm -hmm. So last night when I was at my event, uh, we did an event in Harlem with uh, Walter Mosley, I asked to say something about it because I think it's important. People need to know. Okay. So he yeah. uh, brought up a Monica and apologized again last night in public yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was a, well, do you give Colbert credit for a ballsy question, which it definitely was? It was, or, and it was very uh, beautifully worded, too. Um, or does he feel and, like he's in safe ground? And because I think everybody's he's a horrendous pain in the ass, generally. Because everybody's throwing dirt on the Clintons now, anyway. Well, so. There's that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a fair enough question. In Billy Jeff's defense, you know, uh, Colbert is talking about, you know, long ago offenses by powerful men, et cetera. The, the whole point of the movement is it's worth bringing them up and maybe litigating them, blah, blah, blah. But the idea that the Monica thing hasn't been gone over is ridiculous. It's been flogged. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not 100% on the, uh, if you're in a position of power, you can't be in any sort of relationship with somebody. They're auto- automatically, that's a crime. I just... Well, uh, unless Billy Jeff was uh, having sex with Margaret Thatcher, it's difficult to imagine an equal power relationship. And even then, that's not a good example. Um, right. Because you're the most powerful man in the world. Right, and and while I understand the the concept, and you know I embrace it to some extent, as I've said many times, I don't want to infantilize young women. I yeah. want to give the message: listen, here's something you're going to run into. Here's how you probably ought to deal with it. You know, sometimes guys' sexual desire or whatever gets the best of them, and or they're just what? bad people. And and so let's not pretend that young women. Uh, are are just these weak little Victorian flowers that will wilt in the heat of a man's ardor. I, yeah. I'm not buying it. I wanted to bring this up because um, the woman Gavin Newsom, who's going to be governor of California, had an affair with. Um, <laughs> no way. John Cox, the next governor. Gavin's best friend's wife, he had an affair with her. And so uh, opponents have been bringing up, you know, this is a hashtag me too thing. Gavin was a, the mayor, you know, a balance of power, like the Clinton thing or whatever. And, and she, she worked for him, right? Yeah. yeah. And she was, you know, an underling, obviously. Well, there you go. Um, uh, she responded on Facebook, yes, I was a subordinate, but I was also a free-thinking 33-year-old adult married woman and mother. No, she just doesn't understand. I also happen to have an unfortunate inclination toward drinking to excess and self-destruction. I can't blame anyone for my part in this ugly episode. What I did, along with the public fallout, destroyed my marriage. Um, but she she is going with the hey I made my own decision yeah yeah don't infantilize me admirable but misguided Gavin Newsom is a predator Bill not th- only should he not be in the governor's house he should be in the big house the Clintons always have to go with the immediate the way they edited it and made it look you know just always always drives me crazy what's coming up in your news Marshall well, California voters were calling a judge because of his ruling in a case that drew national attention need to get to the Facebook data sharing shocker and big news for the RBG Ruth Bader Ginsburg fan base yes we're talking the Supreme Court justice coming up she can do 10 push-ups right Ruth can yes she can I have seen her 100 pounds over her head yep. she's like 88 yeah <laughs> just saying yes <laughs> you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty show yes
So Joe and I are flying in New York today. We got uh, looking at the itinerary. We're meeting all these heavyweights all day long, right. and we're going out to a fancy, fancy, super fancy New York restaurant. Which I'm not. I'm not good with fancy restaurants. Uh, I never know what anything is on the menu. I never know what anything is. You don't have to. Just ask if it's locally sourced. <laughs> yeah, that's, there you that's go. a good thing to say. Ask what does chef recommend, and it's not the chef. What does chef recommend? You say chef. I do, yes. Huh. <laughs> well, interesting. Well, and, you, and you'd have to do yeah. that with your fingers that you're just doing right now. <laughs> doing what? <laughs> the thing with your fingers, where you put your fingers together like that. Hmm. <laughs> yes, Mr. Burns. How quaint of you to yes. bring it up. Hopefully you won't get tiny food, you know. <laughs> yeah. I need a lot. That's what I should say. Hey, just tell this to, ch- to Chef. Yeah. I need a lot. I need a big plate of food right now. What on this menu weighs the most? <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> oh. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Now, hold in hopes of a blue wave in November, Democrats fought to shape the political battlefield in primaries across eight states, none more important than California, where Republicans avoided a setback in the race for governor. Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom, a Democrat, coming in first in the primary with Republican San Diego businessman John Cox pulling off a second-place win. Newsom seemingly delighted with this outcome. Voters will have a real choice this November between a governor who's going to stand up to Donald Trump and a foot soldier in his war on California. Wow. 37 million people in an ungovernable state heading toward a pension crisis, highest taxes in America, enormous challenges, and it's going to be about Trump. Really? Yeah. And I wonder if uh, John Cox, who got the blessing of Trump, is going to, because he was not a Trump guy before, I wonder if he's going to run away for Trump. I mean, if he actually wants to win, there's no way you could win governor of California and be seen as, you know, I'm lockstep with Trump, right? I don't think so. If you actually wanted to win, you'd have to distance yourself or or just uh, mitigate some of the issues. You know, the one theory I wouldn't mind seeing explored is that Voter turnout is so horrifically pathetic in California that if you mobilize the pro-Trump core, that fairly small percentage of the state would overcome the very small percentage of the state who turns out to vote. I'll tell you at least one reason that Gavin Newsom is going to be bringing up Trump is because he might be running against Trump in 20. He might run against Trump in 2020 mm-hmm. and try to be the Democratic nominee. So He's certainly on a short list. Absolutely. Yeah, he wins governor, yeah. Meanwhile, Northern California voters recalled a judge from office after he sentenced a former Stanford University swimmer convicted of sexual assault to a short jail sentence instead of prison, a ruling that got national attention. Voters opted to oust Santa Clara County Judge Aaron Persky. The judge was targeted for recall in June 2016, shortly after he sentenced Brock Turner to six months in jail for sexually assaulting an unconscious woman behind a campus dumpster. It's the first time since 1932 a judge in the state's been recalled. That sure got a lot of attention, and uh, we were questioning the uh, the sentence ourselves. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, I, didn't even, I didn't even know you could recall a judge. When the recall thing got started, I read a couple of editorials I found somewhat persuasive. I just grabbed one real quickly. Right. This is a very brief summary. Of, of the anti-recalling argument, but what's at stake, writes one writer, is not one judge's call on a controversial case. It's the independence of a branch of government that can counter our worst instincts, providing restraint and compassion when politics pushes us to the extreme. 
Attorney James McManus says the bottom line is we want an independent judiciary, not judges holding up their fingers to see which way the wind is blowing. Um, well, the that's wind is true. The wind is always going to be blowing towards somebody who rapes an unconscious woman and gets more than a few months in jail. Right. The wind it, is always blowing it, in that direction. If it's merely the whim of the populace, that's one thing. But if it's righteous indignation and injustice, that's another thing. And, you know, and I certainly respect the argument that that was the latter. It's not like it was a uh, because they were an illegal or not, or, you know, one of those things, right. it's a political thing, or gay or not, or something that had changed. I don't think people's stance on this has changed much. No. Or will. A group of 18 retired judges did write a letter opposing the recall. But It's happened once in 80 years. It's not like we're out of control as a society. Right. Right. You are out of control. No, you're not. Facebook is admitting it shares some user data with four Chinese electronics companies. The New York Times reporting that Facebook has had the data sharing contracts since at least 2010. And among those partnerships is one with the Chinese telecom giant Huawei, which the U.S. government says is a national security threat because of its link to the Chinese government. Clearly is. China! Absolutely is. The agreements allow the companies to get information about users' work, education, and relationship histories. However, Facebook said the data isn't allowed to be shared on the company's, uh, stored rather, on that company's servers. They keep it another place. Facebook's got similar agreements with Amazon, Apple, BlackBerry, and Samsung. But the real question is this sharing of data with Huawei. Sure. Well, we now know uh, Facebook gathered all this information and then gave it to anybody who wanted it. Um, well, I, mo- some of us know. Or people don't care. I don't know which. Right. But Yeah, I'm trying to find... Um, uh, no, that's not it. Oh, there it is. Uh, yeah, headline in the New York Times lately, and it didn't get a lot of attention, I just think, because so much crazy stuff's going on, right. and we're all getting a little Facebook fatigue, but... Facebook gave device makers deep access to data on users and friends. The company formed data sharing relations with Apple, Samsung, dozens of other device makers, including those tied to the Chai comms, raising new concerns about privacy protection. But mostly Facebook has gotten away with claiming it was just that one company involved tangentially in the Trump election. Uh, Analytica, whatever it is, yeah, um, and that uh, and that that was a mistake. When when that's not the case at all, it was on purpose. They did it all the time with everybody. It was the plan from the beginning, and um, whether or not anybody knows or cares, that's a different question. Right, and there is an element of the folks at Cambridge Analytica saying, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, you're calling us on doing what? Right. Everybody did that. That's yeah. why we were working with Facebook." Oh, and then the thing we learned from sixty Minutes, which is so interesting, it's not just. If you agree to this, if you're friends with somebody yeah. who gets who 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 signs up for one of those apps or whatever, right? Then they get your information, right? They, Which is just incredible. They mentioned the Cambridge Analytica flap, and then uh, they said in the fewer that followed, Facebook's leader said that the kind of access exploited by Cambridge in 2014 was cut off by the next year. You remember that, Senator? I'm happy to tell you, my team will get back to you on this. But uh, we stopped it in 2014. But the company officials did not disclose that Facebook had exempted the makers of cell phones, tablets, and other hardware from such restrictions. They're just liars. They just lie about how much information they take and who they give it to. They just lied about that. I would say they are very, uh, they are brilliantly careful about uh, how fully they disclose the truth. 
Okay, that's a very, uh, very kindly way to put that they're lying. <laughs> they are highly selective in which truths they mouth. And you think Zuckerberg completely knows that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. He's not the baby-faced, angelic, oh, I didn't know this was going on that he claims to be. Senator, I'll have my team get back to you. <laughs> when they ask him, you know, uh, how does this work? Senator, I'm not sure. I'll have my team get back to you. You found it, the effing company. It was a brilliant dodge because all yeah. the air went out of the balloon. Yeah. Nobody's given a crap about the story since, right. and then he never got back to him. Probably, I'd love to know that. I'd love some reporter should dig into that. Did he ever get back to any of these people on the questions they ask? I'll bet he didn't, and I'll bet they haven't followed up or even yeah. thought about it yeah, since was, that day. I was wondering, yeah, did any of the uh, legislators actually call him up and say, "Hey, Facebook, listen, I asked your boss, and yeah. I've been waiting for three weeks now." No, no they never followed up. Those yeah. show hearings are such a joke. Yeah, they are oh, so often. Yeah. Rarely anything good comes out of those damn things. And listen, this may be controversial to say, but it seems clear to me the time has come to waterboard Mark Zuckerberg. I'm in. Make him tell the truth. There you go. Where's, that... D- Where's Dick Cheney when you need him? Hey, get Dick Cheney and that new CIA lady. You can get, him, get Zuckerberg in a room. There, there you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, Conscious of the Nation. Squeeze the bird. Oh, my. Oh, my. Why don't you take off your T-shirt, Mr. Zuckerberg? Put it over your nose or it'll fill it full of water. Oh, hey, hey, oh, hey, I think we went far enough. I think oh, okay. a little restraint would be nice. Was that on the air? <laughs> Beautiful. So Hawaii is uh, is on fire, which is unfortunate. And how that state made the disaster much, much worse for taxpayers. How many dead? Just the one guy? The guy yeah. with the giant <laughs> ball of rock? Yeah, the, the main problem is yeah. many, many thousands homeless. Yes, yes. Yeah. There are worse places to be homeless. I mean, being homeless is no treat, but it's not North Dakota in January. Of course, you're rarely on fire in North Dakota. True. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That song was ruined for me. Why? The Clintons up on oh. stage dancing around with Al friggin' Gore. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know that was good Al Gore before he got fat and started terrorizing us about the environment. Left his wife. I should have been grateful for that, Al Gore. So we were talking about reading aloud in school earlier. Briefly, we got this text. When I was in school, my buddy and I would read ahead of where the other students were reading and find the words we knew were going to be tricky so that we could immediately correct the kid loudly when they couldn't pronounce it. (laughs) Wow. Wow. It's anachronism! (laughs) You idiot! I'm sorry, teacher. My friend's here. Wow, I'm pedantic and I find that obnoxious. Wow. Hey, quick note here from BJ. Always good to hear from BJ from SF. Says, good morning, lads. It's long past due for you to acknowledge the true innovator in wearing the short suit in public as an adult. I give you Angus Young of ACDC. Yeah. Long before, long before LeBron rocked the sport coat and the shorts. It was Angus. Is he the one that's still alive or did he pass? No, he's with us. Okay. So his brother Malcolm, who's. With God now on the highway to heaven. Oh, yeah, look at that. 
He's got on like a little newsy hat and everything. Yeah, it's it's actually an Australian schoolboy's uniform. All right, that's enough of that. Turn it off. I don't want to hear anymore. So th- I found this just such a beautiful example of the unintended consequences of feel-good government policy. Hawaii is melting. <laughs> the, the big island of Hawaii, which um, it's just beautiful, and I've long wanted to go there and play golf and kick is, around and look at the volcanoes and stuff, because my brother lives in uh, actually on Oahu. Is but, Hawaii one of the islands, yeah, or is that the name of all the islands together? Both. Both. One of the islands of Hawaii is Hawaii. Okay. And uh, but anyway, it's um it's a very active volcanically since I think nineteen eighty three. Kilauea has been continuously erupting since eighty three. And normally it's fairly contained. It's just little eruptions and you can go look at the lava and take beautiful pictures you send home to the folks. Um but there was a particularly devastating eruption in nineteen ninety, cost millions for private insurers. It reminds me a lot of the forest fires in the West lately. It's become more and more difficult and expensive to insure a wooded property. A lot of a lot of you know that. Anyway, so 1990 was devastating, um, and soon most insurance companies stopped insuring property in Lava Zone One and Lava Zone Two, which are obviously the you know most dangerous ones. The market had spoken. It was simply too risky to live that close to Kilauea. But that wasn't acceptable to Hawaiian policymakers who decided that if local insurers wouldn't willingly insure high-risk property, they would do so under compulsion. So in 91, the Hawaii legislature created the Hawaii Property Insurance Agency. In theory, it was going to be a non-profit insurance carrier of last resort for the folks in Lava Zones 1 and 2 that couldn't get private insurance. Private insurance companies must join the HPIA if they want to do business in the state. And as part of it, they contribute to a pool that shares the expenses, losses, and profits of the association in proportion to their market share, blah, blah, blah. But, of course, if you know anything about economics, you realize this stuff isn't free. Insurers, let's see, Jack, here's a quiz question. Now, that there's tremendous expense in doing that, in participating in high-risk insurance next to a volcano. How are insurance companies going to deal with that? Right. They're going to charge everybody else more. No, no, no. They're going to hemorrhage money until they go out of business. No, of course not. They're going to charge everybody else more. And so they did, the age-old method of passing costs on to customers. So, in essence, property owners across Hawaii ended up subsidizing the risk of the, uh, the, uh, the cost, rather, the high-risk insurance. And HPIA Right, so everybody's paying more insurance, so some people get to live in the really cool spot over there by the volcano. Right, and it worked beautifully. If you consider encouraging people to live beside an active volcano to be success, by 2008, there were approximately 2,400 policies in the region representing $700 million worth of insurance for an area that should have been uninsurable. And because of that, everybody got a false sense of security, so built even more in those zones because you have subsidized, artificially cheap insurance living on a volcano. Creating HPIA was tantamount to reassuring people that it was safe, even desirable, to live above a network of lava tubes. So now thousands are homeless, and Hawaii is in a state of emergency. And the long-term economic effects are likely to go beyond damage to homes and property. So what's happening now? State Senator Russell Ruderman, etc., is pushing for the uh, legislature to meet in a special session to establish resources and recovery plans for those who lost their homes and businesses in the eruption. So, as summarized by one local, 
Quote, here on Hawaii Island, we've been paying inflated insurance rates for our property, and now there's already talk of raising the property taxes because of large projected losses in county revenue, and the costs will greatly outstrip the projected county budget, which is due on the 20th of June, has to be balanced. In other words, Hawaii citizens have to pay for the incentivizing of living in the lava zone through higher insurance rates, and now we'll have to pay again through higher taxes. Aloha oi. How many of you people saw the movie Blue Hawaii? Good question, Elvis. I did, Elvis. I did. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Man, if I'm Hawaiian, I'm, I'm not hanging loose. I'm hanging tight. <laughs> I'm pissed. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take my lay and string up a couple of legislators. That sucks. Hmm. Why am I paying for you to live on a volcano? Twice. Because the government has compassion for those people. Those poor people have lost their homes. We can't just, you know, sit by and, you know, and obviously sure. government has a role in giant natural disasters. And I don't mind helping people out, but it's what happens when you mess with the private free market. Yeah, well, whether you build a house in a place that's likely to burn down or you build your house on a cliff that uh, slides into the ocean every now and then, that's a tough one for the people who choose not to do that. Right. But are paying some of the cost. At some point, if, you know, we've got our walled compound in the woods. It's a little place in the woods. I, I relax there. I watch the squirrels cavort. You know, if it burns down and I can never get insurance again, maybe I'll rebuild it out of cinder blocks with a giant water tank there. Um, that's my only alternative. I'm not going to ask every other taxpayer in the state or in America to subsidize it because I really, really want to live there. What the hell is that? What are you doing up there? Are you cooking meth? Now and again. Hmm. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.